This Dharma talk was recorded at Prairie Mountain Zen Center in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, good morning, Noble Sangha. Thanks to Jodo-san for inviting me to speak. Thanks to the Sangha for having the patience to listen. I call this talk the meaning and the practice of Zen. As in my previous talk, I would like to have a fluid dialogue on all questions. So please, everyone, oops, sorry. I just fat fingered the uh, mouse. Uh, as in my previous talk, I'd like to have a fluid dialogue on all questions. So please, everyone, unmute and speak up whenever the urge strikes you. It's like no one wants to talk. So any questions or comments at this point? So I'll begin where my last uh, talk left off with this comment by Kazan from the record of the transmission of light. There is no Dharma to impart to another, nor any to receive from another. This is what I call the true Dharma. To express this, Shakyamuni held the flower aloft to let it be known that it was, is, and will be immutable and indestructible, while Kasyapa broke into a smile to let it be known that it was, is, and will be beyond beginning or end. In this way, master and disciple met face to face and their lifelines flowed into each other. Their pure, perfect, bright, full understanding has nothing to do with thinking in the mind. This is not the delusion of a personal substantive self. On the contrary, the eye and the treasury of the true law has been completely entrusted to you yourself. Therefore, whatever name you give it, do not call it Kasyapas or Sakyamunis. Then I made these comments. The true Dharma, aka I and treasury of the true law, exists as a facet of the true nature of reality. It must be realized by each individual through meditation into one's true nature and cannot be found through the use of the intellect or reason, which are insufficient tools for this purpose. The transmission of that which cannot be transmitted is, in my opinion, the recognition by one who knows their true nature of another who has found their true nature, because in it all are one. So I took this as my starting point. As I began to prepare for the talk, I had to face a koan of sorts. If indeed there is no Dharma to impart or receive, and the realization of it has nothing to do with thinking in the mind, what is there to talk about? Why attempt to use concepts to discuss that which is beyond conceptualization? I invite questions or comments. Let's talk freely. I, I have often had similar thoughts about um, the value of sutra study when 
we're talking about things being beyond the intellect. And I think the best thing I've come up with so far is that sutra study is is the finger pointing to the moon. And so it, it is something to, to help us with realization uh, as long as we realize that it is not realization itself. Okay, I completely agree with what you said. Anybody else? Oh. And yet I have to say I'm really impacted. You know, it might it might not be intellectual, but I'm being impacted and moved by sometimes more than others by words. Anyone else? Okay, I, yes, the words are important. Here's what I came up with so that I could give a talk. Otherwise, we just have to sit here in silence and uh, possibly hear some bells. After a lot of pondering and reflection, I, here's what I came up with. The whole point of intellectual and conceptual teachings is to lure, entice, convince the discriminating mind and intellect to engage in and continue practicing meditation. Since it is within the meditative state, Sazen Shikantaza, that the conditions for realization occur. Again, I'll invite any questions. Well, Jean, I want to say, just like that flower emanates from the source, is the source, why can't every word be from the source? Um, everything, like not nothing is ever separate from it. Right. Words emanate from the source, but the words aren't the source. Would you agree with that? Paula? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Not knowing is most intimate. <laughs> so, so here's my uh, take on Zen and its meaning. I propose that all life is spiritual practice. Before we are conscious of any spiritual path, we are pushed along by the forces of karma, the consequences of our actions. When we begin to realize what is happening, we enter a spiritual path to begin working with karma rather than being buffeted about by it. Secondly, I propose that all sentient beings possess Buddha nature. At first, we don't realize that we have Buddha nature. The reason for this is that the discriminating mind, which is our primary tool for functioning in the everyday world, cannot detect it through our sensory perceptions. This mind also creates the illusion of a separate self, which leads to dividing reality into self and other. This leads us to the illusion that we are separate from the universe. 
The discriminating mind also prevents the direct perception of the universe by attaching concepts onto perceptions in order to think about them. The result of that is that we tend to see the universe in terms of concepts, not as it really is. The purpose of Zen is to develop the ability to directly perceive and thus consciously experience the true nature of our being and the true nature of reality, which is conceptually the entire universe. Our true nature and the true nature of reality are one and the same and have come to be known as Buddha. It is relatively easy to consider that we are a part of and not separate from the universe, as the universe obviously consists of everything. We know that we cannot exist without the sun, the earth, the water, the air, the plants, and everything that sustains our life. Realizing that we are the whole universe is not nearly as easy. I think that the next step to begin sensing the presence of the Buddha as something greater than our, as something greater than our, I think the next step is to begin sensing the presence of the Buddha as something greater than ourselves, but still outside of ourselves. This way, we don't have to give up the security that a sense of self gives us. Gradually, as we become more comfortable with the sensation of Buddha, we begin to sense that we feel connect, what we feel a connection to is not separate from us, but is really who we are. Why does this happen? As I said before, all sentient beings innately possess Buddha nature. Buddha nature constantly strives to express itself. The Buddha's body is, is the mountains and rivers. The voice of the Buddha is the sounds of the mountain stream, the singing of birds, the wind in the trees. It expresses itself as the drive in the human heart towards spiritual practice. All this is just Buddha nature creating a universe, always gently nudging sentient beings onward towards Buddhahood. How does this happen? Let us consider the Japanese word Zen. What does it mean? It's a question. <laughs> what does Zen mean? Oh, come on, somebody knows that. Paula. <laughs> I'm just going to jump in. Doesn't it come from like a Chinese word like Chan? It comes from the Sanskrit like dhyana, which is about meditation. And which I guess something got evoked about penetrating deeply into. That's what came up for me. Okay, well, you got it right on the nail on the head. Zen means pure and simple meditation. And it does indeed, it's the Japanese pronunciation of the Chinese word chan, which 
came from the Sanskrit word jhana, which meant meditation. They all mean the same thing, meditation. The act of identifying this entire school of Buddhism with this single word points to how important the practice of meditation, a single step on the Eightfold Path, is considered to be. What then is Zen practice? First, we have Zazen. Zazen literally means sitting meditation. Za means sit. Zen, as we've found out, means meditation. Sometimes we just call it sitting. Sitting in an upright position. Focusing our attention on the breath. Allowing thinking to stop. We call this shamatha, calming the mind. Next we have kinhin, walking meditation, generally done between periods of zazen to give the body a break. Slow, mindful walking, maintaining the calm of zazen. I, the word kinhin means sutra walk in Japanese. In traditional Buddhist cultures, there's a practice of circumnabulating, circumambulating, that is walking around sites designated as sacred and reciting a mantra or a sutra. Sutras are records of talks or discourses by the Buddha. A sutra thus is a talk about practice. More generally, Sutra, sutra can also mean a presentation of the awakened mind. So, to step forth in Kinyin is to embody the presentation of the awakened mind, to demonstrate awakened mind. In meditation, any expectation, any concept, that you may hold about realization gets in the way of the direct experience of reality, which is realization. So, leave your concepts and expectations at the door of the meditation hall along with your shoes. They will only hinder you in your practice. Leaving all these tools of the discriminating mind behind is not easy and requires much practice. Practicing on one's own is useful, but practicing with Sangha is preferable, as there is a group energy that manifests that one can tap into to enhance one's own practice. Also, peer pressure makes it harder to scratch your ear or get up and do something else when sitting in a quiet group. Also, your presence in the group sitting zazen reinforces the will of the entire sangha and serves as a teaching to newcomers 
that it is both possible and acceptable to sit silently in the company of others. You teach just by sitting, just by being there. And finally, we have Shikantaza. I have long felt that when one sits in Zazen and manages to get one's mind into a calm state where few, if any, thoughts arise, that the sense of Buddha that I spoke of earlier manifests. I, I hesitate to conceptualize what I believe occurs at this point for fear that any concepts might interfere with the actual experience. I had called this experience the silent teaching as it takes place in the silence and is not conveyed in words. This was my own term that I had never encountered anywhere before. As I was preparing this talk, I googled Shikantaza to make sure of the spelling. Only quite by chance, as often happens when consulting the Google Oracle, I found out where the term Shikantaza originated and who introduced it. It was Ru Jing, Dogen's teacher in China, who introduced the term Shikantaza, referring to a practice that he called silent illumination. I believe that what I had identified as the silent teaching and what Ru Jing called silent illumination are one and the same. So when we practice Shikantaza, we open the hand of thought and allow the true reality to reveal itself. Now to sum up. To practice Zen is to practice meditation. If we trust in our practice and continue it, our inherent Buddha nature will reveal itself to us through the process of meditation itself. I will close with this quote from Haku Okumura from Don't Have Deluded Thoughts from the Dogen Institute website. In our practice, when we see things from the zazen of opening the hand of thought and actualize the true reality of all beings, we see that the great earth, mountains, and rivers are still the pure body of the Buddha's Dharma body. This is when we hear the sounds of the valley stream as the Buddha's voice and see the colors of the mountains as Buddha's immaculate body. I hope this talk has been useful to you in some way. Thank you. You've been listening to a Dharma talk from Prairie Mountain Zen Center in Longmont, Colorado. To learn more about us or to make a donation, visit us at prairiemountain.org.